We're here with the usual crew with Lindsay Westcott, Mike Mills, Kevin Corrigan, Matt Samet, and myself, Kevin Riley. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. So usually we start off with spray and uh, we'll do that again. Anybody have anything to talk about? Uh, so on our last podcast, I announced my goal of climbing my first 512 before I have surgery next month. And I did it like two weeks later with a month to spare. Nice. Wow. That's Thank awesome. You. Was that the one over at the bowling alley? Yeah, uh, it's called the tall, cool one. Nice. And how, tell us a little bit about the send. Did you feel like it was going to go when you uh, tied in or? Yeah, I think I I put in like five sessions on it uh, this month. And I got all the moves clean on top rope on like the third session. I was going to go for it the fourth session, but it just got dark on us. And then, yeah, I was just ready for, to go for it. And it went perfectly like i nailed every move it felt so easy it was awesome <laughs> all right it's a good feeling i got to the top and i was like it felt like 510 that time <laughs> <laughs> that's that means you did everything right then you know yeah I mean? like if you can get your project to feel like it's the warm-up then then everything has been sussed properly yeah how about you matt you got anything to talk about oh boy uh I, I thought that I had gotten uh, fat and weak and out of shape, but it turns out I was just overtrained because yeah. I took days off and I went to the gym and I felt a lot better. So that's the good news. Oh, nice. But the bad news is there's still plenty of opportunities to get fat, and weak, and out of shape this winter. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen, but it hadn't happened yet. I thought it was going to happen. Usually it happens like around October, November. I was like, oh, it happened a little early this year, but it hasn't happened yet. So I feel like I still have like another month. You know, with that with that route at the bowling alley, the last time I'd gotten on it was in March. And mm -hmm. then I climbed like five times between then and August. Oh wow. And I lost like nothing. <laughs> that's that's good. What's what's your secret? What did you do in, in the interim to stay? Does it come in a pill? I'll take some. This <laughs> <laughs> pills? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't Oh, wow. Well, that's good news. All right. So one could take months and months off and then still be exactly where you were. Yeah, maybe all this training is just, I, I don't know. Mike and Lindsay, you guys like to train, right? You guys love love training. Uh, Mike does it like it's his job. I feel like I train light. Like I beast make a couple times a week, but Mike does constant like volume bouldering, always beast making, always doing core. Yeah. It, Mike's the one to talk about <laughs> training. Yeah, vacations are stressful for me. For your program? What's for, that? Do you use an app for your training at all? Uh, I don't really use an app. I check in with, uh, so like Climbstrong, like Steve Bechtel. He, he's pretty into training folks. Um, I've been friends with him for years, and he's about the only person that I've ever trained with. So... We check in like every couple of weeks. He kind of tunes up. I mean, it's not really like I've trained for so long. I kind of know what I need to do. Um, and he just kind of tweaks or if he has things to try out, then we try that. But yeah, that's my my app is old man Steve. So what's your training tool of choice? Uh, I like the moon board and the beast maker and 
climbing outside as much as I can. I'm I'm very much a siege climber, um, and I'll put 50, 100 burns project, something like that. So I just kind of go until I send, which takes a long time sometimes. Well, I just put up a campus board. I put up the tension campus rungs in my garage, and then I put in a grindstone MK2, the tension yeah. hangboard. Oh, I have that one too. I like that. It's really nice, really friendly to the fingers. Um, but I got to get used to training. I kind of stand in there and I'm like, okay, I've trained for about 15 minutes. Now what do I do? Because I'm like super pumped out <laughs> from the get-go. Um, for mine, I just uh, saw this book, The Best Flatiron Scrambles. Ooh. Like, um, I didn't no, know there were more than three. <laughs> one, first, second, and third? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, apparently there are. So there's uh, 20 uh, select scrambles in here. It's a great book for anybody who wants to scramble in the flat irons. As you mentioned, Lindsay, like most of us stick kind of to our three to five scrambles that we know, but there's a lot more classic scrambles out there. And the maps in here, the descriptions are all really, really good. Also, Simon included some circuits, um, which is really cool. Um, so... You know, for me, I love scrambling. I, that's one of the reasons why I think Boulder is really the best climbing destinations in the country, because uh, we have the best scrambling in the country, I think, flat out, if not the world. Like, where else do you go to scramble, um, you know, moderates like this all so close together? I can't think of any place. So if you're in Boulder, live in Boulder, traveling through or into scrambling, definitely this book will um, unlock a lot of great classic scrambles for you. So highly recommend it. Who published it? So it's um, Colorado Mountain Club. Hmm. And I believe they published it through Mountaineers. Oh, okay. And who's the author? Uh, Simon Testa. He's a local. Um, I've actually gone scrambling with him before. He okay. has a, you know, a crew of like 10 uh, individuals. They go as a group super early in the morning um, hmm. on the weekends. And... Um, yeah, just a lot of really great information. I mean, it is a little strange to have a guidebook for scrambling. I get a little nervous that somebody who isn't a climber or a scrambler is going to pick this book up and maybe get a little over their head. Simon deals with that in the introduction. Uh, but nothing in here is over 5.5. So one of the scrambles that you would think would be in here, the first um, is not. The yeah. hardest climb in here is the fifth flat iron at 5.5. Um, but there's still a lot of great scrambles. You have the first North Threat, which goes at, I think, 5'3". Um, oh, flat iron? The first flat iron, yeah. And um, his favorite scramble in the flat irons is also my favorite scramble, which is Angel's Way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great, I mean, one of the best scrambles I've ever done anywhere. So anyway, so again, if you're into scrambling, best flat iron scrambles by Simon Testa. Cool. So, um, anybody have anything else? If not, we'll move on to guess that Graham. Okay, who won last week? Matt, you weren't here, so I would have lost anyway. I've been <laughs> since I don't have Instagram. It's anyway. All right. So we all know the rules, basically. Um, I'm gonna read off an Instagram caption. 
I'll give you three choices. You have to pick the right one. If you pick the right one, you get a point. Um, before I read off those three uh, uh, choices, you can write one in um, and guess without the choices, in which case, if you get it correct, you get three points. If you get it wrong, you get a negative point. So there's going to be five questions, and we'll start off with the first one. Guess that, Graham. So here it is. What's your plan to vote? This year, I made my plan months in advance and decided to vote by mail. You're more, more likely to vote if you make a voting plan in advance. Is anybody up, writing up, that one in? Up. Okay, we got no write-ins. So the options are Alex Honnold, Tommy Caldwell, or Kate Rutherford. So we are going to start with Mike. What's your guess? I'm going to go with Kate. Okay. And uh, who do we got? Lindsay, well, who's your guess? Um, I'm also going to go with Kate. Okay. Kevin Corrigan? I'll go with Kate. And Matt Samet? I think it's Tommy because I think he cross posts on Instagram and Facebook. And because I'm old, I look at Facebook and I feel like I stuck there. <laughs> Well, Matt, your old man wisdom has done you well. Nice. Uh, That's interesting. Point. Well, Tommy lives in Colorado, and Colorado is an all-mail-in state. It's true, so there's no plan. The plan is put some stamps on your envelope. Yeah, it's to vote the way you're supposed to vote. <laughs> well, yeah. they are doing drop boxes, and I think you still can mail in person. It's just in Colorado, everybody gets a mail-in ballot, right? No. Mm -hmm. so, all right. Okay, Matt, try to keep this lead. <laughs> it always takes a little while to get the hang of sandstone again at the beginning of the season, but I felt my ring locking muscles waking up from the hibernation as I raced the sun up slice and dice yesterday. It's funny to think it's, it was still technically summer when I got to Indian Creek last week. The days are hot, but there's plenty of shade to be found for climbing and plenty of dirt bags rolling in to make it really feel like home. Any write-ins? Oh, I did see this post, but I forget who it was. I saw it too, but I can't remember. You just had to spend more time on Facebook to win Guess That Dram. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Facebook owns Instagram, right? Yeah. yeah. It's all the same. So. Okay, so there's no write-in, so here are your three options. Is it Kathy Carlo, Chris Coleman, or Brittany Gorris? And Matt, since you're in the lead, we're going to go with you first. Brittany Gorris. Okay. Kevin Corrigan? I'll go Brittany Gorris. Okay. Lindsay? I'm also going to say Brittany. <laughs> okay. Just, oh, sweet. Sorry, go. Sure. Let's make it <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you guys obviously rode the coattails of Matt Salmon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys suck. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. You're still ahead, though. It's all good. It's just yeah, like... you're right. Okay. All right. <laughs> what we should do is you should have to pick an answer before we go down the line so you can't just pick one. You can't just listen on other people's answer. Yeah, yeah I don't really kind of like, like there's a little bit of that going on. Yeah, I feel like a little too much. But yeah, I'm, not, I'm not naming names or anything. Just <laughs> some people. Some people. <laughs> All right, well, Matt's still in the lead. 
And here we are, guess that Graham question number three. Been getting a lot of feedback that people really liked my last finger health post. So here are a few, here are a couple more things I regularly do to keep my fingers and hands healthy. Finger extensors with rubber bands. You can make it harder by using more than one rubber band or looping the rubber band a second time. Squeezing power putty. Finger extensors with power putty going through full outer range of motion. And how I use penguin fingers, I feel, uh, I'm sorry, how I use penguin, penguin uh, fingers. I like to ice for 20 to 30 seconds and switch it between fingers. I usually ice each finger a few times. Does anybody writing that one in? I saw this. I okay. know I've seen someone that has sponsored penguin fingers post before. Yep. <laughs> trying to remember who it was. I'm going to write in. Ooh, nice, Lindsay. I'll go with whoever Lindsay says. <laughs> you don't get to see it. Right? Go first, but to hold up your card, but you don't get to say it. <laughs> okay, so Mike, you're up first. Oh, I'm sorry, I got to give you the. You get off. Yeah. Have the that helps, bro. Okay, is it Kyra Condi, Rob Pism, or Chris Hampton? Condi. Okay, he's going with Kyra. Um, Lindsay's writing in. Kevin, who do you think it is? Condi. Okay, and Sam it? Kyra Condi. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you write? I learned, I learned from watching Kyra. you. <laughs> did you write in uh, Kyra? I did. Okay, well, that puts you. She wrote you it after she, we, she heard our answers. So no. Yeah, yeah, so. Uh, I know that she's sponsored by Penguin Fingers because I was really excited when we had to review them. I snagged a box out of Matt's office. <laughs> James got the Penguin Fingers. All right, well, Lindsay, that puts you in first place with four points. Matt's in second with three. And Kevin and Mike, you guys are tied for last. Okay, question number four. Grabbing pitches while you can. This year has shown me again and again to appreciate what I have when I have it. Climbing with Janity, New Hampshire, always reinforces that perspective for me. And besides, it's a damn good time. Anybody writing in? No write-ins. Okay, so is it Mark Sinnott, Micah Bernhardt, or Margot Hayes? All right, everybody got their answer down? We're in their head. We're going to start with Lindsay this time. Lindsay's going first. Um, I'm going to go with Margot Hayes. Okay. And then Kevin Corrigan? I'll go Mark Sinnott. Okay. Samet? Mark Sinnott. Okay. And Mike Mills? Does the poster have like a horse head on his head? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Mark, I guess. Okay. Well, none of you guys got it. It was Micah Burr. It was Micah Burhart? Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know who that is. So I just like went between the two. I thought it was a weird that would be a weird thing for Mark to post because it's not like 
adventure climbing, but yeah, uh, sailing and adventure climbing. Well, I just know he's originally from the Northeast. Yeah, that's why I put the the New Hampshire people in there, except for Marty. <laughs> Micah usually posts about her her kids. Yeah, there's a lot of kids, but she went climbing she recently. Went climbing, got away from her twins. How are they? Three. <laughs> Okay, let's see. This one's a bit longer, so everybody strap in. Hello, world. I know I've been pretty silent lately, and that's because for the last few months, a move like the one pictured, which you guys aren't seeing, would have been impossible for me. About two months ago, I realized that I lost about 40% of the strength in my right arm after a series of small back neck injuries. I immediately reached out to the climb clinic, and we started to diagnose the problem. Unable to get any sort of answers, we ordered an x-ray. The x-ray had no real signs either, so it was now time to see a spine specialist. With loss of strength and tingling in my right arm fingers, the doctors knew that I had a nerve, uh, a nerve that was pinched somewhere in my shoulder neck. We took some MRI images and then finally got some answers. I was diagnosed with cervical radiculopathy, I hope that's pronounced right. Due to a large cervical hernia between my C6 and C7 vertebrae. There's a lot more to the post, but I just cut it off there. <laughs> um, anybody writing in? Yes. They wrote in like I'm writing in. <laughs> Mike, we're on it. Okay, so those are the two write-ins. Um, let's see. So Matt and Kevin, you guys get some uh, choices here. Is it? Alex Puccio, Paul Robinson, or Jonathan Segrist? Oh, tricky. We're going to start with Kevin Corrigan. Oof. Uh, let's go Paul Robinson. Why not? Why not? Matt? Alex Puccio would be my guess. Okay. And Lindsay and Mike, who did you guys write in? Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. Although Cedrus did just like crash his bike or something too, so he's also screwed up. That's right. I think he broke his collarbone. Yeah. Biking. All right. In a two-way tie for last place. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, was it Paul Robinson? Paul it was Paul. Okay. It was Paul Robinson. Okay. So Kevin and Matt, you guys are in last place. Enjoy it. And then Mike Mills, Lindsay Westcott, who's got it? It was Lindsay in first place. Good yeah. job, Lindsay. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. And that was Guess Your Gram. Okay. And we're on to news. Kevin Corgan, what do you got for us? So over Labor Day weekend, a group of climbers at uh, Cathedral Ledge in New Hampshire. Uh, strung a rope between the cliffs over there and hung Black Lives Matter and Pride flags uh, for a demonstration. They also uh, ran a canoe across it with two climbers in it for a canoeian traverse. Which, <laughs> um, that part of it didn't directly make a statement, but it did help draw attention to it. Uh, and so I, I think it, it created kind of an interesting debate. Uh, a lot of our commenters on social media were arguing, you know, there are a lot of people saying that they support those movements, but they don't want to see demonstrations at the crag. There are other people saying, well, 
you know, certain people don't have the luxury of getting to escape those things. So those movements are appropriate everywhere. Uh, what's everyone think? Well, I think the rules to civil disobedience. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I think the more people complain, the better and more attention it gets. Um, I think you have to be weary, though, because once you start bringing politics into the crag, you know, the other side could do the same as well. So, you know, this week it could be a Black Lives Matters flag and then next week it could be a Confederate flag. You know, you just if you're going to up the ante. You just got to be be ready to deal with it, in my opinion. The parade of ATVs with Trump flags flying behind them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's basically Wyoming. So you deal with that on a daily basis, <laughs> Mike. Someone at one point hung a banner on the third flat iron. Do you guys remember that? I remember seeing it from my office one morning. Oh, yeah. Dog. It was it like a climate change thing or something. That sounds familiar. I can't remember what it was either, but yeah, it was only up there for like a couple hours. Yeah, and then they took it down. It was a big banner. First, it looked like someone painted it. I don't know. I mean, there's a long tradition of climbers going up. I think some of the skyscraper climbers, like Elaine Robert, the guy who free solos skyscrapers, will um, often string banners. I think it's a great idea. I mean, why not, you know? Mm -hmm. like these are public places. If it puts the message up in, in big letters for people to see, I mean... So all the letters at climbing, we have an email address, letters at climbing.com. All those letters come to me. And we've had some people who are upset by uh, the one I got this morning with someone was incensed because they got the newsletter talking about non-binary climbers. I mean, to be honest, like if you're that angry and that bigoted, then and, and you're so triggered by a newsletter or a banner up on a Oh, Cliff, you probably don't belong to this sport. I mean, that's how I feel. You know? I mean, I'm not, and I'm a pretty apolitical person, but if, if your mind and heart are closed to other people, it's a community-based sport. And I just feel like, you know, those people can kind of go fuck themselves. Like, when I see those letters from people, I'm like, you know what, fuck you, delete. You know, like, I don't really care. Like, if you can't, if, if, if you're so incensed by that, you have to reach out and introduce anger into other people's lives because your bigotry is so deep-seated, then this is the wrong sport for you. Like, like go drive an ATV or go watch NASCAR or whatever it is. I don't know. That's how I feel. Yeah. Um, one, one thing you, you mentioned reminded me of an article we ran a few years ago by a, a writer named Cam Fenton, mm -hmm. uh, which was just kind of about the history of uh, direct action climbing, which is basically like, you know, people going out to oil rigs and flying banners off of them, climbing them to fly banners off them and stuff like that. It, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, there's a long history there, right? I mean, climbing, I don't know, at least as, as as far as I understand the sport and as far as I got into it, it's always been a pretty countercultural thing that's removed from society. And I, you know, I think these messages are a good thing. Yeah, and I saw a lot of comments like, you know, I'm behind the message and I support Black Lives Matter, but just not at the climbing areas. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand like how that really gets in the way of your climbing or, or whatnot. You know, these crags are huge. It's, banners really aren't getting in the way of anybody's climbing. So if you, whether you support it or not, you can ignore them if you don't want to deal with it. You know, it's I, not really getting in anybody's way. I feel like if you're like, I support Black Lives Matter, I just don't want it in my face. You don't support Black Lives Matter. Yeah, exactly. If you just don't want an inconvenient message, you know. 
And I thought uh, the contrast between how many people were making comments like that and then seeing people who were like, I'm gay and I love seeing this, you know, it, it helps me to feel supported by this community. Uh, I don't know, that just really put things into perspective for me. So people were mostly commenting positively. Oh, no, there was a mix. There was a mix. <laughs> yeah, of course there was. I wonder if this will show up anywhere else. I know there was some interest at the New River Gorge to uh, fly some flags. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I, our sport is not apolitical. I mean, people who insist that it be apolitical and be this part, thing apart from society, I think, are just they're just kind of dreaming. I mean, we all go climbing yep. way, but there's a climbing community that's formed by people, and people are part of the larger society, which is America in our case. And it's like, if you can't recognize that all these things are interconnected, then you're just really, really dumb. <laughs> That's how I would look at it. It's like, you can't see that all these things, one thing affects the other, you know? I mean, there's just been so much about it too. I mean, that's the thing, like, like I said, I, we get these letters. They usually come in on weekends, so that's when you, know, <laughs> you get all liquored up on Saturday night and whatever, you know, the old lady doesn't want to be nice. <laughs> They, um, they send these letters to me and I'm just like, this is so predictable, you know, it just follows this formula of just this like self-righteous rage. And I just I have no sympathy for these people. I mean, really, if that's who you are, go do something else. I mean, even climbing affects, politics affect climbing in a really direct way too. Like those same people that are complaining about how the sport shouldn't be political, like then politicians go and try and lease off huge areas in Moab to oil and gas. Yeah, like, exactly. They vote for these right-wing corporate shills who will just lease off their climbing area without batting an eye. And then they'll be, oh, whoops, I should have thought about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's really dumb. That's interesting. Now, so like, you know, one of the guests of the Graham was Tommy Caldwell talking about voting. And I, I think it's pretty obvious that he's, uh, you know, blue leaning. Are there any high profile Republican climbers out there that talk about it? That's a good question. Yeah, I do wonder, like, how those values would align with a climate, right? Like, yeah, climbing uh seems like very... Blue. <laughs> but I think you could have gotten away with it before 2016. Yeah. I think it'd be pretty tough now. Yeah, I'm sure they're out there, right? Because uh, there's got to be mainstream, high-profile climbers that are Republican. I just imagine they're pretty quiet about it. Mm -hmm. That's probably true. I mean, I have certainly friends on Facebook who are climbers who I know are right-leaning or Republican, yeah. but most of them aren't like high-profile, you know, or pro-climbers. And do they voice anything as to the current climate within climbing? Do they feel kind no, of well, most most mostly no. Yeah, yeah. Mostly it's like you know the larger societal stuff. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode. We're coming up on a half hour here, so thank you all for joining, and we'll be back shortly. Everyone have a great rest of the week. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks. Thank you. Matt, did you want